Welcome to the Heal Through Play podcast, where we explore healing through play. I'm your host, Lisa Dovgish, and I'm a spiritual life coach, energy healer, light code activator, improviser, and self-proclaimed meme lord. (laughs) My goal with this podcast is to bring light into the otherwise dark process of shadow work and healing by featuring guests from all walks of life who share their stories of healing mental, emotional, and even physical wounds through the magic of playfulness. Whether that be performing improv, creating art, doing yoga, choosing to be silly and lighthearted, or anything else in between. Hey guys, we got BJ Lang on the podcast today. I'm so excited. BJ, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Hi, everybody. Hello, Lisa. Uh, I'm BJ Lang, and I'm an actor, comedian, TV host in Los Angeles, California. I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. I spent a lot of times in Texas. I spent all my summers there as a kid, so I got a little Texas roots uh, to my own. And uh, yeah, so I'm an actor in Los Angeles. That means many things. Like most actors and most artists, we have a thousand other side jobs, right? You got to make the ends meet. Like Lisa, I'm an improviser. So improv comedy is my heart and soul. It's the reason why I exist, I believe, the whole yes and thing. And we'll no doubt end up talking about that. I'm an alum of IO West and Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Uh, I'm a graduate of the Second City Hollywood Conservatory. I currently teach at the Second City and I lead their improv for veterans program out of the second city, Los Angeles, which is kind of on the fritz right now, as far as uh, what's going to happen there, but we will see. Uh, Retired Air Force medic, uh, two-time testicular cancer survivor, and I lead uh, the improv comedy healing arts program for the wellness and resiliency portion of the Air Force's Wounded Warrior Program, not to be confused with the Wounded Warrior Project. This is a DOD program for wounded and ill injured and ill service members. And I use improv to show them some life skills and things like that. So there, I know there's going to be a lot of uh, chat about that. So uh, if you're watching today's episode, well, then that's probably going to be a big bulk of what that is. When I'm not uh, doing improv and not acting in film and TV and commercials, uh, I'm a cat owner, which you could see here behind me. Uh, he is, he's sleeping. So I probably got to keep it down. I don't want to wake him up. He'll make me feed him. And I teach at UCLA. I teach in the center for pre-hospital care using my military medical education. I, I cross some streams there a little bit as a side hustle and teach, um, you know, anything basically that you would use in pre-hospital care, basic life support, anything that on an ambulance and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I'm an actor. So I I do whatever I can. I fly airplanes and and ride motorcycles. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to add as well that I, whenever BJ uh, reached out to me, I was so freaking excited. And then when I just heard more about his experience, I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want on the podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyone that's not familiar with the um, improv world, which uh, a lot of you guys won't be, BJ's background is a pretty big deal. <laughs> you know, Second City is like a big theater. It's the main one um, here in the U.S., as far as I know. Um, they have locations in Canada as well. Um, and it's also, for further context, uh, the Second City Theater is where a lot of uh, comedians have gone through and then gone yeah. on, you know, to, to have very big acting careers, to do um, Saturday Night Live and all that kind of stuff. So for anyone that's not familiar, uh, it's kind of a big deal. Just wanted to, you know, <laughs> just wanted to like pat BJ on the back a little bit like, hey, look at all this cool stuff you're doing. I appreciate um, the pat on the back because it, <laughs> it, uh, it, it is a struggle. It is a hustle. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to go to the second city and then I went through the program. And then when they hired me to teach, I mean, like, I, I probably did cry. Like, I'm telling you straight up. And I was early 30s at that point. So I was the 30-year-old man crying. I'm being sincere because how much it meant to me. Yeah, and, so. And the art form. And the art form. 
For sure. Yeah, of course. Um, so following that, I want to know a little bit about your journey stumbling into sure. improv and uh, yeah, just kind of like what, what those early days were like for you. Yeah, I guess I would start with my life growing up in North St. Louis. My dad is, is a big goofball. Uh, I was the youngest uh, for 13 years of two, three older brothers, technically, but I grew up with my, my two uh, other brothers uh, mainly until my parents remarried. So I was the youngest and my dad was this, you know, outgoing, enthusiastic guy. I kind of already knew that I was going to be following this direction of, of entertainment through middle school. I was doing uh, the school plays and then in high school, getting in drama club, doing the musicals. So I kind of set my eyes on knowing that somehow I was going to be in entertainment, thinking that comedy was probably going to be my, my highway. I just, I knew that in any sort of entertainment, I ended up later on working in, in radio. And so, you know, I kind of dabbled in a bunch of different things, not exactly sure. How do I do this? I just want to, you know, I just want to share my talents and like make people laugh or cry, whatever. So uh, in, in college, I went to St. Louis Community College. I studied theater there. Um, I started doing workshops around the St. Louis area. Uh, which focused on improv. So that was really what kind of got my feet wet. There was the Center for of Creative Arts in St. Louis, uh, what we call COCA. I started taking classes there. I was taking classes at casting offices. At this point, I was already trying to get into the you know film and TV world, uh, going to you know castings whenever I could. I finally got representation. And it really wasn't until I met a guy named Bill Cott. Uh, and that's C-H-O-T-T. It looks like Chot. So Bill is a Second City alum uh, from the mid-90s. He's also an I.O. alum. Uh, he was one of the first cast members of ASCAT, which is at Upright Citizens Brigade. That's, you know, Amy Poehler, uh, Matt Besser, Ian Roberts. So he was one of those people, as well as anyone who's a real nerd in improv. You're probably familiar with Opening Night, the improvised musical, which started in Chicago and later came out to Los Angeles. Well, Bill was an alum of that. Now, I didn't know really all of that because that's really nerdy stuff. I recognized Bill because he was in Dude, Where's My Car? The Ringer. Uh, he did voices on Saturday Night Live. And of course, I grew up watching SNL. So I knew I wanted to get into sketch at some point. So, so I knew him from that area. Well, he's an actor from my hometown. He started the improv trick, which is his improv school there. And so in the early 2000s, I went through his program there, graduated. He asked me to start teaching. And then eventually I was like, all right, I'm getting old here. Like I, I, at this point, like I had worked in radio in St. Louis. I worked for a syndicated morning radio program, which ended up getting me arrested uh, doing pranks. Yeah. So what the, yeah, that's always, that's always fun to ask me about. And then I said, I got to get out to LA because I know that either I'm going to go to New York or LA. I have to continue to follow my, my craft. And I came out to Los Angeles, you know, to pursue more film and TV. At this point, I was also hosting a bunch. I was doing some MTV stuff. I hosted Spring Break down in Panama City Beach, Florida from 2006 to 2013 in association with Maxim Magazine. So I had a lot of live event stuff. Uh, at this point, I was doing mainly short form improv. And when I came out to L.A., I went through I.O. West, which is Improv Olympic West. Uh, that started in Chicago, I.O., which came out of the second city, as you mentioned earlier. So you'll see kind of all of these roots kind of going back to the second city as far as far as what we would consider modern day improv. Little fun fact for you, my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, which I know that you have done improv in, is the birthplace of kind of what we would consider modern day improv, where these guys from the University of Chicago you, you might be familiar with Del Close, who was the co-founder of IO. He was a founding member of the Second City. But, uh, um, oh, goodness, she's, I'm staring at her book here on my shelf. Viola Spolin's son, Paul Sills, and his crew from University of Chicago in the mid-1950s were in St. Louis, and they were doing what we would consider to be like living newspaper it was kind of a game where they would read newspaper articles and then improvise based on the article or the headline you know it wasn't games like you would see on whose line or anything like that but he used these skills that he gained from his mom and you know doing theater for the classroom then they went to chicago and they formed the second city 
1959. I think they got up there in 58, but 1959. So, so Bill came to St. Louis, did that. I went through his school, got hired to teach, as I mentioned earlier, and then moved out to, to LA. I did IO. Then I went to uh, the second city. Then I did Upright Citizens Brigade. All of this, meanwhile, following my acting path, right? Like trying to, to do more film and TV. But I knew at this point, improv was my highway. It was the street that I'm always going to be on, but I might get off at this exit to like do a film or get off at this exit so to I'm, shoot a commercial. Yeah. I'm curious to know what specifically about improv stood out to you compared to the other art forms. Sure. And I know exactly why you asked me that too, by the way. And I will, because I know your podcast and I know we're going to be talking about play and healing through play. So at this point, I knew improv was important to me just as a human being, certainly as an artist and as someone who wants to create comedy, improv can be used in so many different ways. Like the methodology that we teach at the Second City is re-improvisation into sketch you know, like you would see on Saturday Night Live, creating sketch comedy through that. Improv can be helpful to create writing and, you know, so many, so many different facets of a short form improv, long form improv, whatever. But at this point, it was just strictly for me as an actor to have the skill set. I knew that there were other pieces, like maybe there was a little voice in the back of my head saying, hey, you're, you're, there's a deeper part of this than just what we see on the surface as a performer. But that didn't really kick in until, unfortunately, I got medically retired from the Air Force. So here I am, mid-30s. I'm like living my best life in L.A. And by best life, I mean doing the hustle and the struggle, right? Trying to do the best I can looking for street parking. And I end up joining the Air Force Reserve at 35. When I was 36, after completing my Air Force medic program, I ended up getting diagnosed with testicular cancer. That put me on temporary medical retirement, but it, it enrolled me in a program called Air Force Wounded Warrior, which again, as I mentioned, is a DOD program. Uh, the abbreviations are AFW2. So I got an AFW2, and they had a, uh, a wellness and resiliency area, a track of the program. It was mainly focused on adaptive sports and you know, uh, transitioning back into the civilian world. They had, it's a great program and it did a lot. And even though all these people are going on to these great things, going to the Department of Defense Warrior Games and the Invictus Games, and they're competing against the allied countries, wounded warriors, and they do, you know, all these wonderful things. It's great. I'm a theater kid. I'm not an athlete. I just, I like it and I want to be healthy, but it's just the kind, that's just not me. I want to be on stage or I want to be laughing or creating. I'm a collaborator. I just want to be creative using the outside of my brain. So there was a doctor at the time who ran their resiliency area at this point. It was just the resiliency area. And he was a sports psychologist that knew that I went through the second city and saw in the civilian world what I was doing outside of the military. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm an actor and I teach at the second city. And he goes, oh man, like, have you ever thought about teaching improv as a, you know, for, for like resilience? And I went, I already have the curriculum. Like I already, I already know because I knew at some point this was going to be coming. So wow, like, that's amazing. I love that. That's really how the whole thing kind of came in. I knew at some point I was going to be teaching and we call that applied improv, right? Teaching improv for non-performance reasons. So teaching people who are not actors, who, who do not have the purpose of going up on stage to do this, but what are the side byproducts that we get through studying and performing improv things that everybody knows life skills let's just start there listening problem solving thinking outside the box getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and so many people would say well wait a minute like you're teaching stuff for people to be quick and funny like how does that help somebody that's got ptsd or somebody that lost an arm or a leg or somebody that suffers from severe depression or even get this severe anxiety. And most people who have severe anxiety probably don't want to get up on stage and do improv like they would see Ryan Stiles or Colin Mockery or Wayne Brady doing on Who's Line. While we're focusing on a lot of the same skill sets and, and building the same you know collaboration with each other that we would and that they do, we're not going up there to produce a TV show. 
we're just taking small exercises a little bit of a, at a time to build this up. And so that is what I do with Air Force Wounded Warrior. And also what I do, not just with Wounded Warriors, but what, what my company does now, teaching applied improv for like companies and doing things like that, doing corporate learning stuff, professional development, communication skills, uh, and team building through what most people would consider improv comedy skills and games and, and a lot of theory, which of course you're familiar with. Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, so if anyone's listening to this and they're like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Uh, I'll have all that linked down below for you guys as well sure. in the show notes, you know, at the end. Um, once you finish listening to the podcast episode, don't go look now. <laughs> but once you finish <laughs> listening, you know, go down there and check it all out. We'll have it all linked. But I'm really interested in knowing more about, so there's like a couple things that I'm thinking about. I want to know more about your experiences, you know, specific like stories that you have running you know the program to you know to help service members the warriors mm-hmm. yeah, this, yeah. This, the warriors right so just some stories of how you help them sure. through the classes that you led and then yeah. i'm also interested to eventually get to talking about uh your specific journey with once you got the cancer diagnosis and kind of a little bit of that conversation that we had before between the two of us but i want you know the audience to be able to hear because it's uh, very similar to kind of what I went through with improv. So yeah, let's get into some of those stories about yeah. uh, the warriors and those, those workshops. Sure. Well, I, I guess I will reverse those. Uh, Cause I, I figured at some point you'd want it, you, you ask how i how it kind of landed in my lap, but now I want to tell you what I was experiencing at the time when I realized this is so helpful. So any improv person, any person who's ever gone through an improv class, one of the first things you learn is yes and, right? Now, the question is, how do you take that, what that means to accept and to add information on? How do you take that? And add, how, how do you apply it to your life? So here I am, I'm sick, right? I'm, I got medically retired from the Air Force, put on temporary medical retirement against my wishes, lost my informal board. So the court comes down and says, no, man, you're too sick. So sorry, we're going to put you on hold, right? Meanwhile, I have a full-time acting career, you know, back, back home. I was a reservist. So I took the time off to go do training and become a medic and all this stuff. And so I kind of felt like I lost a lot of my identity. I lost a lot of trust in myself. Uh, and we're going to come back to the whole yes and thing here. That's why I started with that. I was starting to circle the drain is what I, how I like to say, because I had never, I had never been, at least I never recognized that I was depressed ever in my life up until this point. And I'll be honest with you. It wasn't the first time that I got cancer. It wasn't so much when I first got let go from the air force much later than a year and a half goes by. I'm on temporary medical retirement. And then they uh, realized that my cancer comes back. And now it felt like the cookie, the cookie, the cookie monster. That would be hilarious. If the cookie monster came out of the closet, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Give me cancer. You've got cancer cookie. So the boogeyman came out of the closet, right? I felt like my worst fear was back. And now it was in my lymphatic system. So I had surgery and chemotherapy the first time. My cancer relapses. Now I'm going through radiation. And I'm getting sick. I'm getting more sick on the radiation than I did chemotherapy the first time. I'm still not back in the Air Force. The Air Force says, oh, you're sick. So we're going to put you on temporary medical retirement for another year and a half. That lasted three and a half years of me not knowing whether or not I would return to the reserve and be allowed to take care of my patients and, you know, fill my heart with happiness, not only in service, but the type of service I was doing as a medic. I, th- I feel like me as an actor, my job is to be of service to my audience, right? I want to help people feel whatever they're going to do. I want to provide them with some service. And that's how I felt as a medic. You know, I was doing the same thing in the hospitals, working on ambulances and things like that. Yeah. I want to pause just for a second and highlight something that you said, which was that you had never realized how you had experienced depression in your life until that point, right? When, when that diagnosis. And I think that's so important to highlight because when we talk about healing, awareness is like a really big part 
of healing. It's like the first step, right, is you have to be aware that there's something wrong to even begin to fix it. And so I think that's that's really important to note that, you know, you you hadn't noticed that and that likely was a big reason why you were seeking out, you know, right that healing and, and uh, you know, f- that kind of like those synchronicities, um, something that, that I always say, and obviously I'm very spiritual and kind of woo woo, but I, (laughs) I, uh, I always say that, you know, the, the illness is the medicine, right? Like what we experience is, uh, exactly what you need to be able to, to get to whatever point it is that you need to, Mm. right? So it's not necessarily that we're healing to get back to the point that I was at before this happened, right? We're actually going through the healing journey to come out through the obstacle, right? And then see sure. who, I, who I am on that side. So yeah, I think that's so powerful to look at as part of your journey of like, all of these obstacles are now presenting themselves. Not only physically are you going through a really huge, uh, you know, shift, this physical illness, but also there's that mental aspect to it, right? Yeah. And that emotional aspect of like, not trusting yourself and your identity being, you know, you, you're just like, right. there's a mirror kind of put up to you and you're like, what do I do with this? You know, how do I, how do I take in and accept this like identity and then shift it to what I need it to be? Well, I think that's, that's the hard thing too, is the acceptance part. Like you said, how do you, it's hard for a lot of people. And I mean, I still think to some degree, I still haven't fully accepted like who this new normal is for me mentally, physically, uh, these new body aches that I have to deal with, you know? So that was the hard thing. And that's why I looked back, especially once my cancer relapsed. And at this point I was offered the, with Air Force Wounded Warrior to come in and start teaching. I said, I have been professing to people in theaters, in high school classrooms. I was teaching high school theater at the time in college workshops that I was teaching the words that we hear every day as an improviser that hopefully you take to heart but I wasn't applying it to my life. And as simple as saying, yes, and to accept what is happening and then put my foot forward. And that's, that's where I think I was really um, starting to heal mentally from where I was. I'm not saying I'm fully healed on it. I still have the struggles like these, but this was a coping mechanism. And, And of course, giving me purpose now, to be able to give back and share my love of improv granted, not on a, on a performance standpoint for these, for these warriors and for the people that I work with outside of the second city, of course, cause I s- still do that whole thing. But for, for the folks who are sick, it, uh, injured or ill, whatever to, to accept as they see what happened to me. And I, and I share that with them in the, in, in the opening day, about what improv is and try to get rid of all these misconceptions of what improv is and to not worry about that stuff. And then I share my journey and here's how I use improv and how it helped me to move forward. Right. Of course I love it. So like, I think that makes me feel good, but really applying those, those lessons and those theories that we say, you know, to, to our students of, of, of any capacity, no matter what they're studying improv for, to have trust in yourself, to build that confidence up, be able to have trust and faith in other people, hence collaboration and teamwork. That's why it works so well, you know, on the corporate side and why companies hire improv people to come in, but on the mental health side, on the resiliency side, wellness, you know, it's, it's all about getting that comfort and, and as simple as, and my number one thing here is literally the name in your name of your podcast to just play and what the benefits of play are, which I can go down a rabbit hole here and I won't because we don't have enough time, but like going <laughs> Wait, into we like can what even play do a is. part two. Yeah. And just talk about play because yeah, I'm, I'm all for rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you said it, Lisa, it's like, you said it literally when you named your podcast. And to me, that's the most important thing. Yes. Of course. Like my contract says, I'm going to teach these wounded warriors all of these life skills. And we're going to be, you know, like I said earlier, listening, problem solving, thinking outside the box. How about this one? I said it earlier, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. But ask yourself this. 
how comfortable are you with the unknown, right? And that's what creates a lot of anxiety for people, right? Not knowing when I go to my CT scan, what those results are going to be. You know, when I opened it up and I went, shit, my cancer's back, you know, not knowing, will I be allowed to return to the military, right? So a lot of that uncertainty, but growing what we call the uncertain tolerance, strengthening your uncertain tolerance. I is, love that term. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> yeah. I give credit to uh, uh, Mr. Kelly at the Second City who uh, works with Second City Works, but, and I don't know if it came from beyond there, but, but also, and, and we'll have some great links here for, for you all. If you guys really want to see the science, of course, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have that brain you know, focused on the science. I just know what helped me and the things that I have seen objectively that have helped people. And I'm going to jump into that because I know that's the second part of your original question on how I've seen it help people. And, and I wish we could uh, have had some people lined up to kind of share their thoughts, you know, some of the warriors that I've talked to, but I'll share some of, you know, their testimonies. Damn, I forgot where I was going to go with that aside from talking to you about them, but, oh, Kelly Leonard, Kelly Leonard. Oh goodness. I'm sorry, Kelly. Uh, Kelly Leonard at the second city coming said the uncertain tolerance, strengthening your uncertain tolerance, such a big and important thing. It's all about trust and, you know, teamwork and all that stuff. I'm going to get it. Don't kill me. Audience. Don't kill me. Just hang on a minute. I also got a traumatic brain injury while I was in the military. Yeah. He's he's got a, he's, he's got an excuse. Yeah. Right. (laughs) There is an excuse there, but I'm going to come back and tell you about you know, sharing some of the thoughts on, on the warriors that have, have pulled me aside and shared kind of their experience as non-artists who have gone through this and what, and what it means to them. Yeah. Kelly was talking about, I can't remember what the hell it was. I was going to say right there, but I got it. I mentioned we're going to, I got it. I mentioned, we're going to put some good links in here and I don't have the brain to kind of, you know, know all the science stuff and all that stuff. And you could speak to clinicians. There are bazillions of studies on how improv helps actual objective fact-based you know evidence-based science behind behind this not and, and of course play in general right so look up if you're bored to death folks look on psychologytoday.com or 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 uh, just google dr clay drinko a uh, drinko drinko d-r-i-n-k-o dr drinko is amazing And so he loves improv. He's a psychologist that focuses on how it can help people and all that stuff. So I believe he was one of the first people that I've heard use that, you know, uncertain tolerance phrase. And so if you want to hear some of the other things that is happening while you're studying improv, while you're performing improv, two different things could, could be related, but two different things. If not watching improv, you know, do that, go, go just look that up and, satisfy yourself. And he focuses mainly on applied improv. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And even if, even if you guys want to, you know, just learn more about healing through play, the science behind that, I'm sure that would also be applicable. Yeah. Yeah. Tons. There's uh, the national Institute of play. I think that's the name of, uh, of the uh, organization. Great people that focus on play. And, And let me just talk about that for a second. And I'm no doubt Lisa, you have hit this a million times already in your podcast, but like, what is it about play, right? Like, what is it about play that, that, that is so important? And Um, I actually haven't had this conversation with anyone yet. So yeah, I'm happy to dive into that, you know? (laughs) Yep. What is it about play? That's so great. Well, let me just tell you from my perspective, what I see when I go out there, especially working with wounded warriors, right. Or military in general, or big companies, or the very first time anybody, anybody, mainly adults, take an improv class, right? And I'm talking about play from that perspective because I haven't gone outside in probably 30 years to go play freeze tag, right? But we're literally talking about the same thing conceptually. We're growing together. We're learning together. We're having fun together. We are building our brain and learning and hopefully what is a fun environment. Hence why like every improv 
place starts with the very basics and very easy. Let's support each other. Let's have fun. Let's focus on the rules, right? Because you got to build that safe space so that people can grow more so even when I'm working with wounded warriors, people who have lost trust in each other, they've lost trust in the system, which is the worst. The government is sending me to this wounded warrior event. And now I have to sit in some stupid, you know, comedy class. What the fuck? Like, you know, and I, and I see that a lot and it's not that they can't do what I'm asking them to do, but we got to get them in a safe space and for them to see for themselves through simple play, simple games, simple little things like we would do when we were kids, but that's compounded by the fact that not only might they have a physical or mental, you know, or some sort of illness, right. Issue that's going on, but I'm in the military. I have to act a certain way. I'm a grown woman. I have to act a certain way. I'm a mother or a father. I have to act a certain way, right? I'm a, I'm a leader in my community or I'm a military commander. I can't, I can't play. Right. Like so we, it's conditioning. It's like conditioning that prevents people from being able to explore and grow and play. And like all of those things that you just mentioned. Wow. Yeah. So think about that, like why if, and I always share this, I say, if I have a 13 year old, forget it. If I have an eight year old kid and I put them in a room and they're, they've never done improv and I have a 30 year old adult and I say, okay, guys, in this scene, you're both going to be chickens. Who do you think is going to be more willing to just let go, right? Not don't have that social construct that we build up on ourselves to just be willing to just play, right? By the way, sorry if you're hearing beeping. I live in a major city and it's trash day, so we haven't even and we haven't even touched the surface on like the focus aspect of mindfulness that comes together when we play, right? Yeah, even I was about to mention that. Yeah, when we're when I'm playing, you and I go outside and we play a game, whatever it is, we play freeze tag, right? It's you and I having fun together and whatever, right? Now, when you're little kids, like you're learning the process, you're learning, you know, not only physically and motor skills and all this stuff, but your, your neural pathways are, are, are blowing up. And when you're learning new stuff that is happening in addition. And so that's why you need to read, uh, uh, Clay's articles. So you go do that. I'll let you do that heavy lifting. Uh, but you, you'll see all of that. And that's why I think play is so important, but there's so many more deeper things when we talk about uh, connecting with, with, with each other. And when we talk about being present, like I, obviously as an actor, I take being present on stage to be comfort in myself and be strong and um, connected with myself in this moment on stage but also to be connected with my teammate or the space that I'm in, because I'm believing as an improviser that I'm building this entire environment. So to me, that's easy. Like it's fun and I feel comfortable. I don't have to worry about anything else. Now, granted that comes with years of experience where you just feel comfortable to just get out there and yes. whatever the hell happens, happens. <laughs> right? Yeah. So if you guys go, go out there to try out and you're sure. like, hey, I'm not having the experience that BJ described, you know, just know that he's had years of doing this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but it, like anything, right. You're going to be more comfortable on your bicycle years after riding it. And, oh man, I could do, I could do a wheelie and I could slam on my brakes and slide out. And man, I wish I could do, I haven't done that in a long time. That brought, that brought back some memories. Yeah. So, now you gotta, now you gotta yeah, go do it. <laughs> now I gotta go do it. So I'll tell, I'll tell you this, Lisa, you asked me earlier about, what I've seen working with some of these warriors and, and, and how, uh, how it has helped. Well, in January of 2019, I believe it was, uh, I went to an, an Air Force Wounded Warrior event for the Pacific Air Force. Um, that's the command that oversees all the stuff in like uh, Japan and Hawaii. You know, that's the major command for the Air Force. And we were at Pearl Harbor doing an event with some wounded warriors, some local wounded warriors. And there was a gentleman in the class who was exactly, as I mentioned earlier, one of these, like, like, you know, couldn't wait for the time to be up for them to go and, and go to the next thing. So the first day of the class, 
if a wounded warrior comes to an event, they always have resiliency day. And it's all the different resiliency programs that the program offers that they get to just do an intro to, unless they're on that designated resiliency track where they come to me every day. Then for instance, this gentleman, he uh, was going to do adaptive sports. So every day, aside from day one, day two, three, four, five, he, he was going out to like do adaptive sports. And so can you just kind of explain what, what that process is? Because I, I'm a little confused. Is this for, it's like the resiliency aspect of it and, and choosing the different classes. Is this like, um, like what what is this a part of here? I'm going to walk you through it. So Lisa, you're in the military. Okay. And you get diagnosed with something that's a critical, you're wounded, ill, or injured in the line of duty. In my case, I got cancer, right? And significant enough to where the military said, you might be unfit for duty, right? You lost your arm, a motorcycle accident, cancer. You lost your leg in combat, whatever, right? So you got Lyme disease, right? So whatever, whatever the thing is that found you unfit, that sends up a red flag in, to the medical folks. And they go, okay, well, this person might not be able to fulfill his obligation of service because he's unfit. So that triggers what we call a medical evaluation board. And your every branch of service has a wounded warrior element that takes care of their wounded, ill, and injured service members. And so they get enrolled in that program. The Air Force is the Air Force. So it's is, like a wellness program. Yeah. As part of that, it, that, it's like a resource, right? Uh, it's it's a resource yeah. within the military, yes. And it's not so. What I'm talking about the arts and stuff, and and and, and I'll kind of dabble in that here in a second. But the the big thing that most people are familiar with is the adaptive sports piece that every branch has for their wounded warrior element or battalion, warrior wounded warrior regiment, what the Marines call it. Navy wounded warrior is what, what that is. Army wounded warrior, you know, is, is what the army calls theirs. So, so they have all these, this program and it's not just adaptive sports and not just like these okay, events and all it, that stuff. It, like they, yeah. they also take care of them medically. They have regional care coordinators. There's people who are, cause these people are in flux. There's people who are still on active duty who were wounded, ill or injured and going through a med board. There's people who are on temporary medical retirement like I was. And then even when people separate to some degree, they still have some connection to that program. So the Air Forces program is the only one that I'm aware of currently, and I'm very proud of this, that has has, uh, an extra extension to them, which is their wellness and resiliency program, which is what I come under. So- Okay. Let's, and so Lisa, you're sick, um, yeah. whatever, right? You're, you have PTSD, uh-huh. right? So you, they say it's unfortunately hindering you unable to do your job. They put you through a med board. The med board says, Lisa, I'm so sorry. We hope that you get better. So we're going to put you on temporary medical retirement in the hopes that you will be able to recover. And so in 12 to 18 months, we will re-examine you. In the meantime, you, you have access to Air Force Wounded Warrior and you will always for the rest of your life. But uh, you're able to go to these in-person uh, week-long events, what we call a care event. And in this care event, you can do adaptive sports. Like if you want to learn how to do wheelchair basketball and uh, wheel, uh, sitting volleyball, which that was the track I was on to go and like be on the team and represent for the Department of Defense Warrior Games where all the wounded warriors from all the branches, the top that got selected to represent their team and they went to trials and they were ready to compete and all these different things, archery, uh, precision shooting with air pistols and air rifles, all these awesome things. And then the best of our country goes against all the allied countries Got it. in the Invictus game. Yeah. So that's the sports side. Okay. But when you come to this event, you see that they not only have adaptive sports, but they do empowerment and transition, like a business boot camp to help you get reacclimated. If if we know, if you say, hey, yeah, they're they're going to separate me, I'm medically retiring, or I, they're just going to separate, whatever the case is, you can go through this week long business boot camp to help you get ready for business, get you on your. It's like right. in the military, okay. we we have a yeah, taps, yeah. and this is similar to taps, but it's focused for wounded warriors. 
Okay, got it. So I was, yeah, I was just curious how you were getting these people in the classes that were just kind of like, why am I here? You know, Um, but just in the interest of time, I want to get back to the story about the one guy that you had that was just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) So this this guy was here to do sports, right? This guy's here to just do the sports. He is in the intro class. So on day one, everybody, no matter what program you're there with, if you're there to be an ambassador, which I am for the program that teaches you in the week to share your story. So you can go out and help people in, in the community, in the military to share your journey and see, you know, cause there might be people who like you have the same issue going on. So there's that there's adaptive sports, there's empowerment and transition. So you're talking on, on average, you know, about a hundred people or so it, it, each one of these events, which we, on when COVID's not happening, it happens like every six weeks, we're at a different place with all these people. So this guy is in day one for resiliency, resiliency day. So for an hour and 45 minutes, he's going to go see all the different optional. And if he wanted to ever go on that track, all the different resiliency, um, artistic healing arts that the program has improv applied improv, right? What we call improv to improve. Um, Rock to Recovery, former lead guitarist of Corn, Wes Gear, has a nonprofit called Rock to Recovery. And they teach uh, not only playing music, but collaboration and uh, songwriting. And they do that in a week to not only learn how to play an instrument and play in this band, but they create a band, they have a song, and by the end of the week, they perform it. So it's pretty amazing. Then they do journaling, they have photography. So every hour, 45 minutes, this guy is going through all of these on the first day. Then optionally at night, so if someone goes to do sports and you, Lisa says, oh, I'm just going to go do adaptive sports. So she's following the sport track. But at night, when you come home, after you're done doing all of your adaptive sports, you say, you know what? I can go do some laughs. I'm going to go sit in BJ's optional evening resiliency workshop. So I have an optional evening one for the folks who aren't on my dedicated resiliency and wellness track uh, where you would have me every day. So this guy is there in the hour and 45, and he's just n- not. He doesn't want to be there. It's obvious. But at night, his wife goes, come on, babe, we're going to go to this. So they come and we're here in Hawaii. I got the door open. Like it's, it's beautiful outside. We're on this patio. It's nighttime. You know, you can hear people, the, you know, the luau music's going, all that stuff. You know, we're up on the second floor in this hotel room playing improv games and whatever. And he's still sitting there with his arms crossed and his wife's playing, but he's every once in a while kind of chiming in. Well, I had optional evening resiliency workshops almost every day, which I only need to do two, but I do them every night. I'm already there. I love to do it. So if, if you want to come and play and, and learn some games and connect with each other and laugh, let's do it. This guy came every day. And by the end, he was getting up. And I'm not saying he was totally like fully involved. Um, you know, he will be next time. But his wife came up to me at the end. And she said, BJ, I just want to tell you, that's the first time I've seen him smile since the accident. He lost his arm uh, in Afghanistan. And so that was one of the first times where it really hit me. And I was like, just that. We didn't talk about like all the scientific, like he learned this listening skill and he worked on his self-confidence and he, you know, I didn't even go down. He just smiled. He just played. He just had fun for a moment where he wasn't thinking about everything that he was dealing with in his life. So that's that in and of itself is so powerful, right? Because we, we taught, we go back to that, you know, that societal conditioning that those patterns, right. And um, I had a, uh, someone else on the podcast who does uh, special education and works with, you know, kids on the spectrum and uh, neurodivergent kids and stuff and teaching sure. them, you know, improv and kind of, you know, uh, social skills and all the other stuff that comes with that. But, you know, something that he he had mentioned was that something about improv is it is able to break patterns. And mm-hmm. through the breakage of that pattern is where now you have a new opportunity for a new experience, right? For change, for a new experience, for a new way of being. And so what I'm hearing here is not only are there conditions that you talked about, right? Which are like, well, I'm a grown woman. This is how I have to act. Or I'm a soldier and this is how I have to act. But we also have conditioning of you had this 
traumatic experience. So this is now how you have to act, right? right. Of now you have yep. to be, you know, be however it is, right? You have to be angry or you have to be the victim or you have to, you know, all, or you have to be sad. Like there's all of that conditioning as well. Right. And so there's like layers to it that are so fascinating to me of how, you know, he was able to break that pattern of, you know, I've gone through this traumatic thing. I've been in this like darkness and this, you know, sadness or whatever it is, whatever he was experiencing. Right. And then coming to, to that class and then just being able to smile, like, Oh, that's so powerful it's, and so amazing. And and I've had so many more of those experiences, but that's just one that 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 sticks out to me. And I, at the end of the day, that really is for me my purpose when when I'm there. Yes, of course. Like I said, I got to do all this. They want me to teach this, 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 and like tangible skills that they're going to be able to like take away from the event. Yes, of course, if you're interested, hey, I will connect you with improv groups in your area. I will, you know, yes, fine. If you want to like go down that road, not only as a performer, but maybe just just for yourself, just to take an improv class for yourself, you know, without having to like get up and perform or whatever, but also have these skills that you're going to be able to utilize. And maybe if you come back to another in-person event where I'm at or teaching a workshop, we can grow on that, right? Because I always do like advanced ones and, you know, work my way up because this is, I'm going to dream for a second. Let me just dream for a minute, Lisa. This is a, this is a dreaming podcast. <laughs> this is a dreaming podcast. My hope is that, and I've been with the program under contract since 2018. So my goal in a perfect world when COVID goes away, because it just, I think it would be so much easier to fulfill this, but I would like to have a short form improv comedy team com comprised of wounded warriors and their caregivers. Cause I also work with the caregivers too. They have a caregiver program that comes in too, cause they have to learn how to like take care of themselves so they can take care of their wounded warrior. And they're going through a lot of stress dealing with the stuff that their husbands and wives and all, you know, are dealing with. So I go and work with them as well. And if we could have a team that goes to not only do shows, but then that we could teach workshops. And then could you imagine a sketch comedy group, right? Because I do teach some sketch occasionally in the program uh, through improv, but that can talk about the different things that we have to deal with. So using satire to help deal with uh, the issues that we see in our society and that we see in the military or that we just deal with ourselves. So that would be the big dream for me to be yes. able to have that. Guys, everyone that's listening, we're going to manifest this. Right? <laughs> yeah. We've got our spiritual folks on the podcast. Everybody just send good vibes, feed sure. the collective consciousness, and we're going to bring this into <laughs> fruition. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? Hey, if, if you are interested in seeing another great testimonial, somebody who, sh who poured her heart out into um, sharing with, with at my 40th birthday party about what it meant to go through the program. I didn't know she was going to show up, go on YouTube. You can see BJ Lang's 40th birthday comedy roast and right in the middle of the longer one. Cause I have an edited version for the people that are like, this is too long, but you'll see uh, my friend Kita. She's a fellow air force medic. And um, unfortunately she had, uh, she, she tried to take her own life. Uh, I'm thankful to say that uh, her attempt did not kill her, but it did bring us together because she got enrolled in the program and I didn't know she was going to come to my birthday party. She saw that it was happening and she stopped the entire show of all my comedy friends roasting me to get up and say, I need to tell you guys something. And you'll see that on the YouTube. And it just like, you'll, I'm going to turn into a big baby. I'm going to tell you right now. I turn into a big baby up on stage, but it's fine. Cause it's important. Yeah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Okay, so was there anything else that you wanted to share, you know, pertaining to your personal journey or to, you know, any anything else you wanted to speak about with the Warriors, yeah. like any other stories that stand out? Well, I, I would say everybody here listening should take an improv class. Yes. You should all take an improv class. If you're a fellow educator out there like myself, if you work with big groups or if you're just a big improv nerd, some book suggestions for you. Uh, Theater for the Classroom, Viola Spolin, you know, the godmother of improv as we know it. Great, great little exercises to do with people. 
and, and remember this, if you are dealing with stuff and we're all dealing with stuff, right? I'm not saying that this is the end all, but I am saying this is one way to help yourself and uh, something that I did and I, that I occasionally have to check myself on. But instead of asking, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening for me? And, and I think then you're able to apply the yes and, yes, this is happening to me and I can move forward and I can take a step forward. You know, here I was when my cancer relapsed and I was so depressed. I, I started gaining weight. I, you know, I'm an emotional eater. I don't drink and I don't smoke, but I eat when I'm stressed. I absolutely do that. Um, and I didn't want to get out of bed and I I didn't, I just wasn't happy. I was upset that my cancer was back. I knew the air force. This was probably going to be the end of my military career, unfortunately. Um, and so I had to say, why is this happening for me? And I think now that I'm on the other side of all of this, and I look back, it was a blessing in disguise that I had cancer and that I was on active orders when it happened, because if not, like it had been like, damn, this sucks. I got to pay in the civilian world to go to the doctor. And then I got enrolled in Air Force Wounded Warrior. And this, all of this opened up to me. And I started doing the Improv for Veterans program at Second City. So there's a lot of positive, you know, in here. It's just maybe while that door shut over here, there's a reason why there's more doors down this hallway. And I need to, what I always say, when one door shuts, the other, another door opens. It's not that that's a problem. It's the fucking hallway. That's a pain in the ass. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely in alignment with the, with what I said earlier, right. Which is the illness is the medicine, right. That is, that is yep. the path. Right. So I love that so much. I know you shared some pretty big picture stuff with us just now, but one final yeah. question. Ooh. If you had one message for our listeners today, Aside from go to an improv class. <laughs> that was probably it. Yeah, what would it be? <laughs> I think the heart of the medic in me, the heart of an artist speaks to me. And the heart of a hopeful, faithful person speaks when I say, seek kindness to yourself. And so easy to say to other people. I am absolutely terrible to myself. In fact, and I know you, I know this is a long podcast, so I apologize, but I'm going to share. In no, no, we usually go moment. for about an hour. Yeah. Oh, good. So you're, okay. you're all good. So I never went to see a mental health professional until I got out of the air force. Never in my life have I ever been into a therapist office. My doctor at the VA suggested I go see mental health. And I literally laughed in her face. I was like, I'm a man. I'm in the military. Like, I'm a medic. I did a nursing program. What do you mean? Like, I'm fine. Here I am biting my fingernails, gaining weight, you know, stressing out. Real, my sleep was complete garbage. There were objective signs, you know, clinically indicated like, this man is depressed. So when I went through and spoke to the psychologist, she wrote down some things on a piece of paper and I'm just going to make this real short. She wrote down on a piece of paper, a couple of things. And I'm like trying to like, what is, she, what is she writing over here? Right. She's writing these things down and she flipped these cards over and she said, BJ, I know you're, I love to do everything. Right. Like I want to make, I'm a people pleaser. I just, I want to do everything I possibly can. And I will, my, the other problem that I have as an improviser, and maybe this is just me blaming it on improv, but I'm, I always say yes to everyone. I bite off more than I can chew because if I take care of your problems, it's better than taking care of mine, right? If I, if I help do this, then I won't be sitting here taking care of myself and my self-care is going to go, you know, whatever, right? She writes these pieces of paper up with like words like service, career, patience. I started bawling. She said, why, why are you upset? And I said, because I know why you wrote that because all of the stuff that I have been telling her and I, I teach kids, I work in the medical field and I love pediatrics. And, and I only say that because most people like have to have really strong patience for kids. And that was, that's me, you know, and, and also for adults and teaching improv, especially at the beginning stages to some people, it can be very grueling. If you're like an advanced improviser, the, the point is, I'm very patient to other people and I was not being patient to myself. And I knew that's why she wrote it. And it was so hard to hear 
because it was that was the mirror that you were talking about earlier. That was that mirror being held up to me. And I still have to deal with it. But when I say see kindness, be kind to yourself as well. And I always try to work on gratitude. I try my best because I still, even in this crazy world, I still have faith that people will try to do the best thing. I'm not saying everybody, but that there are good people out there because if not, then there's no point in living and there's no point in doing anything, right? You got to have that faith and trust. Wow. There you go. That was beautiful. Thank you. And I want to add on to that. You know, I feel like a highlight of that also is to go seek help, right? If you are struggling, do do not let yourself, you know, go through it alone. There are people out there that, that love you, love helping, want to help, you know, and even if it doesn't feel that way right now, you know, you will find people who will love you and will want to help you and take it from BJ and I, you know, Mm -hmm. both people who have had experiences, you know, being in, in those, in that darkness and then, you know, finding community and improv and otherwise, uh, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful community. Yes. Community. That's, that's, that's another one too. Yeah. That, that was definitely, well, first of all, that's what connected us period. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. There is an improv community. I, I posted on Facebook being like, Hey guys, I'm looking for a podcast guest. <laughs> yes. But it was in an improv community group, which we are both in. So, and I don't just mean like the tangible, like, ah, I got a group on Facebook. I can be a part of, but I mean, when you go and you start doing this, whether it's for personal growth or you're going to be a performer, generally speaking, I believe this is my belief that most improvisers are kind, caring people because that's who we have to be, not that we all are, but on stage, we have to be accepting of the other person at all cost, because that's the rules of improv to say yes and. And unlike other art forms, not talking crap on other art forms, but there are art forms out there who are very cutthroat because it's very, uh, yes. you know, it's a monologue. It's not a- <laughs> Yeah, being an actor, an I'm ensemble. sure you see it. Yeah, you, you sure. feel the difference. Yeah. Totally. I'm an ensembleist. Yes. I I love to be a part of a group. And so finding the community, like you said, that is very important. Yes. Yeah. We got some good messages today. All right. Um, So BJ, can you share with us in closing thoughts where people can find you, anything that you want to plug? And then of course I'll, you know, make sure that everything that we mentioned (laughs) today is in our show notes as well. Sure. I'd like everyone to follow my OnlyFans, where all I do is just give out improv. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. Have oh, can you imagine? <laughs> I, you know what, though? See, I would be the guy to do it, you know, and maybe, you know, like it would not be, you know, inappropriate, whatever that means to you. But like, like I would just like sit in an armchair, like smoking With like a cat. pipe. <laughs> yes. That, and then I would look at the camera and then I would deliver some improv wisdom for the day you know, applying it to life. Anyway, uh, I'm BJ Lang. You can find me on Facebook, uh, my, my Twitter, Instagram, uh, and I believe Snapchat are all BJ comedy. And I would absolutely love to share the good news of what I did down at the air force senior non-commissioned officers Academy. Uh, not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, uh, I went down there and worked with some of their instructors. They are all instructors for the community college of the air force, which is the largest community college system, uh, in the United States. And I taught them improv in leadership. So focusing outside of wellness, but of course I always get up on my soapbox a little bit, but we'll have a link to that. And, uh, yeah, definitely hit me up and and keep in touch. If anyone has questions about improv or you want to just chat books, or most importantly, if you're going through something and you need someone to talk to, I will do my best to be there for you. Thanks so much for the time, Lisa. Really appreciate you and your audience's time. Thank you, BJ. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, and I can attest to BJ being very, very welcoming and uh, just like a really great person to talk to because before we scheduled this podcast episode, we had never <laughs> talked before. We just like talked on Facebook Messenger, you know, and he was super awesome. And then also, if you guys, you know, want to take any classes or, you know, learn anything about that, again, BJ also teaches. Yeah, So sure if you guys, you know, want to check that out again, everything will be linked down below. I want to thank you again, BJ. Thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, we'll talk to you later. See you later, Lisa. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Heal Through Play podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review and feel free to share your thoughts with me through an Instagram DM. I'd love to hear about how this episode resonated with you. Also, please check the show notes for links on how you can connect with me and the guest of today's podcast. There's also a link for a form you can fill out if you'd like to be featured on the podcast and share your stories of healing through the energy of playfulness. I also have incredible offerings for psychic readings, energy healing sessions, and light code activations. So if you're feeling called to do healing work with me one-on-one, then please send me a DM or a voice note on Instagram at Lisa Dovegish so we can dive into it together and see what kind of magic we can create in your life. And I also post some pretty dank memes. So whether you're interested in healing or just laughing your ass off, join the Instagram community. Again, thank you for tuning into this episode and I can't wait to connect with you. Until next time.